Welcome back to the Spinner Rack, all of you new Eumaniacs here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We are your hosts, Stephen with DP7 Annual Number One and and the ultimate Eumaniac Andy, also <laughs> Annual Number One DP7 because it's long. We're taking turns. We're, we get tired. Uh, uh. Take a nap in the middle of this. And, <laughs> you talk, I'll nap. We'll be efficient. <laughs> All right. Well, our new universe started in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. Uh, the idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably or cinematically reasonable uh, technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Uh, had eight new comic series launched in one month, set in our world in 1987. And now as we close out the first year, uh, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals except for the CIA, uh, who's a bunch of jerks. Um, sorry, <laughs> CIA, if you're listening, we're talking about the fictional CIA. Um, mm. yeah. No, we're not. Uh, so with our podcast, you can follow along each week as we go through each comic uh, as in the exact order they hit the spinner rack, give or take some annuals, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. I recommend listening to all of them because I helped make them. Um, but yeah, if, if you're itching for more New Universe, we have a website, kickersinc.com. Uh, in that website, you can find our Super Sleuth Sweepstakes, which is still available uh prizes will be given out soon and well real time when we're recording this real soon um but we got more stuff in store for season three as well um still technically have a slogan contest and i think new eumaniac and voice of the new universe might have seized the day on that one and twitter you can find us at at kickers inc uh also more new universe mania uh, the Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe fans. Yeah, the um, voice of the new universe and uh, new Eumaniacs is uh, taking a commanding lead in the early voting, <laughs> but uh, we'll see what the final tally is. And this week we'll be cover. I'll be covering. No, we'll be covering DP. Yeah, we. <laughs> Seven random people, once ordinary and average began to display powers extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event. <laughs> Uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their family's reactions. Their lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help, which has now kidnapped them in a bid to control them. Randy, Dave, Stephanie, Charlie, Jeff, Scuzz, and Lenore. They are seven displaced paranormals on the run, or as we call them, DP7. So DP7 annual number one, meet the new universe's latest paranormal, The Witness. The Witness saw each of the DP7 members manifest his power for the first time. And so will you in Origins, scripted by Mark Gruenwald, penciled by Lee Weeks, inked by Tony DeZuniga. Or a shorter version, he was the only one to actually see the displaced paranormals gain their unusual powers. But who is the witness? <laughs> Sorry, the witness. We also get to see their origins because we are the comic book readers. 
Um, but yeah, so as we kind of said in the beginning, we'll be doubling up on these annuals as they are in fact giant-sized, as advertised on the cover. Uh, we've been kind of taking it easy going through the four annuals as they come out, it's still in the order the, that they did, uh, but without the regular issues in between to keep things nice and clean. Uh, and then month 13, the some of our issue 13s will be coming out soon. Uh, also have a recap, some recap uh, going over all the fun stuff from season two. Uh, that'll be coming soon as well. Yes, the, uh, the recap episodes will come before we start season 13 or month 13. So they'll recap the since we had uh, several uh, series ending, several continuing, uh, we'll, we'll go through where we're at in the new universe. And it's a good jumping on point and hopefully not also a good jumping off point. <laughs> There's no good jumping off point. This point you're in it, like you might as well just see it through. We don't call you new you maniacs <laughs> for nothing. You dedicated at this point. Well, DP7 Annual Number 1, it's cover dated 1987, that's it, and we believe came out August 4th, 1987. Um, the previous uh, issue of DP7 uh, Number 12 ended with the big fight at the clinic, um, and we are not going to further that uh storyline in this annual so this is a completely a step back and um well we'll, we'll just jump right into the, the annual. it's like a zero issue there you go yeah this is a couple of years before they they had even come up with that i believe that was like an image uh, yeah. thing. a gimmick that has not been born yet <laughs> if there were but if there was a gimmick that can be done those guys may have anyway right so the cover we have a new universe giant sized annual logo in that same color um, that all the others were in in the corner box we've got dave in his hercules slash strongman outfit um, <laughs> in the marvel box um and the uh cover itself is well, let's see, you've got sort of a superimposed um, close-up of a face with a um, sort of in a green tint, and it's just a, a featureless um, male face with a hat. And it, um, sort of floating in front of it, we have the members, various members of DP7, probably how they mostly appeared early in the uh, issues. Um, Although a couple of them that uh, were the dramatic physical change, like Dave and Lenore, you can't really see very clearly whether they're in their prior look or their, you know, paranormal look. Um, and it says, these eyes have witnessed the origins of the DP-7. So this uh, large face has apparently witnessed that. Hmm. Does your issue have the uh, barcode? Like, is it a newsstand one, or do you have the little antibody guy? Yeah, it's barcode again. Oh, yeah. yeah antibody. The, the non-barcode one has a cute little antibody uh, Ooh, in the box. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah. 
it's a uh, <clears throat> it's like a horizontal instead of a vertical, which is uh, yeah. unusual. Interesting. My comic's better than yours. <laughs> I can't sell this for nothing now. <laughs> what am I gonna do with this? <clears throat> fit only for. Kids. We do have a variant, I guess, the newsstand variant versus the uh, uh, direct direct market. Yeah, the. Jumping inside, we do not have a splash page yet. I think that's page five. So we just have a few um, single panel uh, page, uh, I'm sorry, uh, like four panel page with a highway. And there's some narration boxes saying it's Tuesday, July 22nd, 1986, 123 PM. Does that day and time remind you of anything? No, not at all, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it is the Interstate 94 between Milwaukee and Fond du Lac in um, Wisconsin, as all of DP7 has been. And we see another uh, narration box introducing us to Nelson Kohler, computer sale software salesman, drives home. It doesn't say which of those two cities he lives in, though, so mysteries continue. That's true. Yeah. So you got kind of a middle-aged guy. I think we find out later he's about 50. And he's thinking to him, he's driving along on this highway, which is uh, otherwise empty. And he's uh, thinking to himself, Microsoft, new product line. Wish you didn't have to travel so much. Maybe ask for a promotion. Daughter's birthday next week. Thinking boring middle-aged guy stuff. I can relate to this guy so much. It's <laughs> uncanny. Did you happen to look up Windows product line for 1986? Oh, no, I didn't. That's, boy, that's that's MS-DOS. It's actually a little hard to figure out because I've seen like a couple different quotes for like when Windows 1.0 was out. Uh, but yeah, DOS and, you know, maybe Windows is already out then, but like by 85, Windows 1.0. Uh, but it's, it's almost interesting they even use Microsoft because now you would, it would be obvious to you. But back then, Microsoft was just sort of one of a number of vendors. Right. And so, like, I remember, like, the Apple IIe was out by that point. But I don't know if the Macs had shown up just yet. That's what happens when you're too young to use a computer at the time. I, I think that was 85, wasn't it? For the... Macintosh because they did that like oh you're right they had that it was a commercial for with 1984 1984 and it, so it yeah. must have been a year or two within that yeah, yeah. Okay. okay well anyway yeah like Windows 1.0 and like maybe welcome Microsoft back to Tech Word Talk with Andy and there. <laughs> Windows 1.0 I guess if yeah, you're they, old enough to be remembering and enjoying the new universe you might be old enough to have remembered and enjoyed early Windows computers. It reminds me of Ultima 3 which was a game I was playing at the time. <laughs> Sorry distraction. Anyway something something at, white event. At 1.24 p.m. Uh, this is <clears throat> central standard time I believe. The, uh, the coloring on the page goes out and he's like that light, what's happening? Curve ahead, can't see. He's gripping the wheel. And uh, next page, we get the coloring back, but um, the car is already going to the guard rail and off the, off the road. And he's uh, thinking to himself his about his wife and daughter and then goes right into a tree. 
crash. We, uh, there's a black panel, pretty ominous. And then we are in uh, that evening at 9.58 and the doctor is telling Mrs. Kohler, sorry, there's no brain activity. The machines are all that's keeping his heart and lungs working. Then there's no chance he'll ever regain consciousness again, doctor. Well, there's always a chance. I mean, you know, anything can happen. But, um, <laughs> but massive brain damage, blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't remember you, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, sort of starting a, the theme for the issue, his wife says something. Nelson used to joke that people were like personal computers. The body was the hardware, the mind, the spirit, the intangibles that make a person what he is. They were the software. When the hardware became broken, obsolete, the software had no place to run anymore. She reaches out and touches his hand and says, Dr. Morgan, my husband would not want to live like this. Let me have the forms to have his life support machines turned off. Let God decide. Not some hardware. Meep, 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 meep. He's just like, we, <laughs> isn't that just how we ended Mark Hazard? Scotty. <laughs> yeah, bursts into the room and just like starts pulling the plug. I, I don't know what's good. The themes for this year's annual seem to be uh, death and... Uh, More death. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't try to extend your life with modern medicine. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, new universe. Um, so, yeah, wife and daughter are like hugging as, as his uh, screen goes blank. And then we flip over and it's the splash page and we have the title DP7 Origins. And as the his family and the doctor are sort of uh, standing in the corner, um, solemnly and his body is in the gurney his spirit is um sit sitting up violently no don't pull the plug i'm still alive <laughs> sorry bro your your wife took about all of two seconds to pull the plug <laughs> you uh you must have a lot of insurance there mr nelson you seem uh, mr kohler yeah the uh Family sleeving, and he's now walking towards them, talking to them, but he's completely intangible, and they can't hear anything he's saying. And he is uh, not just a ghost, he's naked. So um, somewhat discreetly, is he's uh, you know, reaching out and trying to, didn't you hear me? Didn't you? And his hands go right through them. You know, we all see these ghost movies, and what the devil? I can see right through them. My That body, it's me. Then what am I? How can I be in two places at once? Maybe that. Maybe uh, this is what happens to everyone when they die. Um, anyway, he's, he told, thinks his wife did the right thing. And um, it's like, now no one can see me, hear me, or touch me. What am I going to do? So he's finding it upsetting to watch his family crying and thinks, well, maybe I'd just better go. Wait, I can't go out without clothes. And as he um, gets to the other side of a wall that he just walked through, he's, he's suddenly, wait, now I do have clothes on, or I think I do. How'd that happen? And the 
interesting thing is he just walked out of this wall and he's like several stories up. So, and he's just sort of standing there. So kind of wily coyote looking like, why am I standing on the air? And, you know, he's, he's got an engineering-ish background. So he starts thinking to himself like that he's not bound by physical laws anymore. And he's, you know, kind of making it all up as he goes along. So what should I do? What should I Wait, 43 years? <laughs> it's not uh, by reasonably realistic or even cinematically realistic physics anymore. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> We're just making it up as we go along now. Shooter's gone and it's the DeFalco physics for you. He's definitely what? like the man version of Lenore at this point, though. Like someone made fun of her a ways back and called her like Lamont Cranston, which is like the shadow, like the big collar trench coat and the wide hat so he's kind of like the ghost version the ghost man version of that now yeah you're right it's uh i was thinking the shadow but it is lenore the shadow yeah. um i mean like i said this is like 50 years in the past so it's retro but i mean we still know who the shadow is now so who am i to judge really you know? well we do the, the kids don't oh that. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, it's an Alec Baldwin film that came out shortly after this. Um, yeah, uh, luckily uh, that N Nelson is uh, doing the shadow impression because where he's walking around buck naked, he looks like Dr. Manhattan. He's got yeah. this light blue um, figure. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if I need that. It's a bit much for the uh, Comics Code Authority, as we say, which this mm -hmm. did approve this issue. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's way worse in this issue than <laughs> Naked <laughs> Phantom Guy. <laughs> so um, Narration Box pops up again with July 25th, 1986, 10.45 a.m. And we're at a Sunnyview nursing home. And uh Nelson has been thinking to himself that he feels drawn to a place or, you know, there's some force or something that he can feel. And that has drawn him to this spot and it's taken him a long time. So this is three days later only. And he's at a nursing home and he's wandering through the wall and he finds an old lady. And this is the first time we've probably seen the, um, unparanormal face of Lenore who's only in her 60s so nursing home's a little strong honestly but you know retirement community let's call it yeah I don't know the family just didn't want her around anymore ouch I mean it's uh she's not like in you know hospice care she's just got like a little space by herself and there's aids around so okay Right, you know, uh, she she's you know notices this gray spot on her arm, and uh, Nelson is the sensation comes from this old woman, and uh, she's also thinking, "What the, is this? Is this leprosy?" And another uh, older woman comes in. Lenore, dearie, are you in? Yes, Rosie, come in. I must show you this weird spot on my arm. And this other lady just faints, it seems. Um, 
Rose, uh, Lenore helps her to a couch or chair and is like, are you all right? And uh, the other lady just thinks she was dizzy and lightheaded. And Lenore at first is like confused as heck. Is like, did something happen? Or is she just like shocked that I have cancer? And she doesn't want to tell me. It does seem like a pretty classic like nursing home thing to do. It's like, can you look at the spot and see if that looks right? Mm. You have like two days to live. I mean, (laughs) I've got the vapors. Let me sit down for a moment. Yeah, our our present day Lenore kind of like glows with like an intense white energy stealing light. And I guess at its genesis, though, it just kind of looks like a silver disc. Right. So it's not shining or anything yet. Yeah, it's it's pretty dull and um, yeah, just sitting there. Once it starts glowing, I imagine that's <laughs> that would really take her by surprise. But uh, maybe the next page, even she she takes a look at herself and is like, "I see more spots." Let me ask one of the nurses' aides. And so she's talking to this young woman, uh, Edith, and it's like can I show you something? And you tell me if I have to see a doctor. He's like, Oh, okay. So she shows her. And then this young woman also just passes right out. And Lenore is just like, what's going on? What am I doing to these people? What are these spots? And at this point, Nelson just wanders off into space. (laughs) I thought this part was funny because the nurse is like sitting next to her on the bedside. And it's kind of like the, classic movie trope where the person like passes out at the dinner table and they're like faced right in the soup or the mashed potatoes or something just like bump right down except she's just like face first right in Lenore's lap <laughs> yeah it's a I mean that's Lenore's power is it knocks people out easily so if you <laughs> try to ask people about it they will just collapse on you I guess um, I guess we're never going to get the origin of the cool outfit she's got though yeah, uh, she doesn't she... have like a cool hat in the closet that she's like, I wish I could wear that, but where would it fit in? Where would I find that? Oh, well. Um, Nelson Kohler is walking off and he's like, what does it mean? How did I know something was happening here? I sensed it. I was drawn to it for some reason. And uh, now I feel that same sen- sensation coming from somewhere else. Now we flash forward to August 2nd, actually. So that's a good week ahead of time. And, and he is, like, again, in the sky, wandering around. Ooh, down there in one of those houses. It's taken me over a week to even locate this. What do we have here? A housewife and her young daughter. And we see Stephanie, who's of course, looks pretty normal. Um, she's not glittering or anything at this point and uh this is like is it her or the child so Steffi's a stay-at-home mom watching uh doing chores while uh her daughter jilly is playing and uh they're watching guiding light soap opera stephanie feels dizzy and and sits down for a moment and then um her daughter comes up for a hug and she suddenly notices these uh, little sparks going off around her and that she's also transmitted this to Jilly. And she's like, what's going on? And uh, I don't know, mommy. But 
the little girl has so much energy, she sort of bounces off as if you put little trampolines around the room or something. And Jilly whee, jumps uh, into the next room. And by the time Stephanie gets over there, this girl is like on top of a tall bookshelf. Mommy, I'm scared. Get me down. So Stephanie rushes over there, but then she's also jumping sort of across the room in one leap and gets over there, knocks Jilly off the bookcase, but does catch her. And they're both a little scared but is, uh, and confused more than anything. Um, they, they, they see these little sparks, but think, oh, maybe it's I'm just seeing things. And uh, Nelson sizes up the situation as he's watching them. He goes, I can figure the woman enger- energized the child and herself somehow. And uh, Stephanie, as, as we sort of pull away, is like, I feel odd. Jilly's doing weird things. I hear Chuck coming up the driveway. Thank God. This is too much for me to handle. Yeah. Whew. Quite a relief. That should go well, yeah. <laughs> So, fact, I was thinking of this and like this, like Stephanie might be like the perfect daycare center worker. <laughs> like she could power up the kids and then have a blast, like zipping around all crazy. And then when they wreck themselves or crash into each other or bonk heads and she's got the healing power. Interesting. I would have thought Lenore was the perfect daycare <laughs> worker. <laughs> Maybe they need to work in tandem. <laughs> Okay, parents are supposed to be here at five thirty. Get the uh, energizer in there. Okay. How come my kids can never remember what they did at daycare? <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. As as he he wanders off, he's like, "Why do I make of this? Why have I been drawn to these women who developed some extraordinary traits, talents, phenomena before my eyes? Mm-hmm. To be, what would it have to do with the extraordinary thing that happened to me? It's my connection. I feel the sensation again. Now we zip to August 31st, a few weeks later. Again, it has taken me much longer to note it, to find to pinpoint the source than I would have thought. As he walks through the wall, we come to Scuzz's room, which is about what Scuzz's room you would have expected. There's a lot of uh, band posters and girly posters on the wall. And uh, Scuzz is maybe a guitar in the corner. Scuzz is uh, lying in bed with some headphones on, and the whole bed is kind of smoking. Yep. <laughs> After uh, Nelson thinks, well, it must be this guy because he's the only one here. Knock at the door. Dennis, open up now. It is, of course, the bad father. Bad father. Smoking again in bed again, huh, punk? Now, to be fair, smoking in bed is pretty dangerous. So I would also yell at someone if I caught them doing that. So. Um, but yeah, he grabs Scuzz and yells at him. How many times I got to tell you not to do that? And uh, Scuzz denies he was, do- he was smoking. I don't see any butts to you. They uh, put out the fire, which has already started with uh, like beating it with their blankets or coat or something. And uh, dad is still mad and yelling at him. He wants to give Scuzz a spanking. <laughs> 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 and yep. uh, yeah, the next page, Scuzz's uh, expression as his dad spanks him. 
Yeah, I wasn't exactly expecting the full pants down spanking to be a, a disciplinary thing. Uh, this is what, 15 or 16, right? So. Yeah. But yeah, like the angry <laughs> fist. <laughs> like, yeah, like him spanking away at poor Scuzz. And then, like, the look he gives at his hand when it's finally realized his hand is kind of like burning from the acid. <laughs> Oh. oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, he's got a uh, like a hand smarts. I got poison ivy or something. It's like, I'll just have to spank you even harder. <laughs> and finally gives up. Double take you, boy. My hand feels like I got battery acid on it. Scuzz is uh, zipping up his pants and uh, like, oh, well, if um. What do you say here? I'd like to work you over while you're sleeping off one of your binges, but you knowing you, you'd have me hold off to Wales, which is uh, we're helpfully told is a juvenile detention center in Wisconsin. So he's Gus is actually confused because he he knows he wasn't smoking, so he's like, "What the heck's going on?" And uh, Nelson, as he leaves, walking into the air, just continues to be puzzled. What could it mean? What's the connection? Blah blah blah. How come the first time I get to peep in on somebody and there's nudity, it's a team boy? <laughs> <laughs> Though, of course, we don't know what he's been doing for that whole month in between. So, oh, yeah. Okay. <sighs> now we move forward to September 5th, 1986. And interestingly, it's uh, he's walking through the air and just says, a college campus. And I didn't look it up. I had thought that um, Charlie had gone to um, UW-Madison, but I'm not sure that's canon. So, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't recall off the top of my head. The buildings are a little too generic. I doubt it that they would pop up in a image search. But um, he goes inside a dance studio and realizes one of the students must be... Um, activating or something and we see a, a young woman talking to charlie beck who's saying she's has a, a headache she can't seem to get rid of um nelson immediately zeroes in on charlie uh it's her and um charlie's um like stretching out on one of those bars for ballet um uh, forget what you call that i think it's and, just a ballet bar oh. I, don't, I always thought everything was like French in those rooms. And, oh, uh, right. Uh, okay. um, croissant bar. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, teacher starts telling them to uh, take positions, uh, start with some uh, practice leaps. And uh, as Nelson's kind of sitting there in silhouette, wondering what the girl's uh, power is, suddenly the... Um, the dancers taking the first step uh, find themselves all slipping on the floor and everyone in the room, and there's, I don't know, half a dozen more? It's are like all a bunch of, bunch of greased up, half-naked dancers again. It's, uh, yeah, surprisingly less erotic than you might imagine from that description, but... Yeah, um, true. I feel everyone's... like the witness is there, though, so... I'm here to take all the fun out of everything. What a power. 
Um, Charlie is uh, still standing, but she is really confused. What's going on? Is this some sort of joke? Everyone's sliding around like they're on ice. And um, why didn't it happen to me? And the other students are like, everyone lost their balance except Charlotte. What happened? And as she is walking out after class with her friend, and she, they're talking, and she's like, you really weren't just goofing around? No, no, we couldn't stand up for the life of us. I don't understand why it didn't happen to you. Yeah, maybe I was just staying in the right position when it happened. I don't know. What could it possibly account for such a strange thing? Ghosts? UFOs? ESP? ES people? <laughs> no. Um, and the, the like, maybe it's mass hallucination. Um, one of the uh, other college students who's passing by behind them trips and falls as well. Uh, Nelson has been listening to this and uh, he's like, well, I could tell her that, you know, she's not the only one, but I guess I can't. I will go on to the next appointment of these strange activities. Why do I have to be a witness to them? Now we jump to September 20th. Um, a few days later. And it comes to a trailer park. I think we all recognize the one who lives in the trailer park as our old buddy, Dave. And uh, we do get to see him uh, fairly early in the um, transformation. So he still looks like his old self, which is a kind of Tony Stark-ish look. You know? Yeah, I was thinking that he's got more like curly brown hair, but he's got the mustache and the uh, back on the wagon uh, stubble. Yeah, he's he looks just the like wagon. the cover from yeah, Demon in a Bottle. So, and uh, he's he's getting these uh, muscle cramps. Uh, yeah. And he's like, so he's kind of hulking out, but not enough that he's like shredded his clothes yet. He feels terrible. These things, these you know, as these muscles grow, it's really killing him. And then he looks into the bathroom mirror and is horrified. Am I nuts or does my hair look thinner on top? I think we can both relate. It's like <laughs> Nothing worse could ever happen. No! Yeah. That's the point get... where you panic. <laughs> Didn't even get the supreme muscles either. So he's like, it's not a hangover. and Why is my stomach so flat? Anyway, he's cramping up. He's like, can, can barely move he runs over to a phone i've got to get help let me call sue and uh yep next thing you know his friend sue who we saw like him talking to on the phone um is there she's like we should take you to the hospital and he's like no just uh just localized muscle spasms just uh no hospitals not after what happened to my mother and uh look i'm starving could you just get me some food and we do see a little insight into their relationship that we had hints of before, but he's cramping up in the leg and Nelson is about this point is like, okay, well, he's transforming, but I don't know what into, but I know what we're transforming into. We're transforming into taking a break. We'll be right back.
welcome back. Um, though I'm recognizing that you've already covered five of the seven DP7 members. So I guess I don't get much left. Mm. Sorry, Scuzz was kind of in the middle. I know he's your favorite. But... Right. Though Burger King shows up and I used to work there. So we need an expert on task for that. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> Tell him to bring back the, the original veggie burger. Just beyond ones. Oh, boo. I, I like the beyond ones. They're weird. Or the impossible ones. Oh, right. Impossible Whopper is my favorite. Uh-huh. It did not exist in 1987. Or I guess we're in 1986 now. Right. We're flashing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me kick up some uh, MTV thing- themes from that. Um... <laughs> MTV flashback. All the Vietnam uh, soundtracks I was looking up for uh, last week's uh, Merc Annual. Now it's like, oh, you're flashing back, but just one one year. And so, you know, everyone's going to be like, instead of nostalgic for these songs, it's just going to, I'm tired of this. <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we, we return to the book uh, with our... Uh, Sad, ghostly software salesman Nelson uh, floating up above the trailer park in a definite moment of woe is me and whininess. It's like, what does it matter? The man is suffering and all I'm doing is watching him. No more, I've seen enough. There's a reason this is all happening, isn't there? And there's a reason why I'm being compelled to watch. Well, what in the name of heaven is that reason? What is happening to the real world? I was never an imaginative man. Imaginative man. I had no use for fantasy or science fiction. But now, before my very eyes, I see the world being transformed into some kind of fantasy world. A new universe of some kind. I didn't say that. Uh, (laughs) A world where unexplained things happen to normal people. For all I know, for every person I've witnessed changing, there are 10, 20, 100 others. (laughs) I haven't even left Wisconsin yet. This could be happening across the whole world. <laughs> and I like several aspects of this. Um, he does. He, he uses the term witness um, several times. So he's not going to give himself a code name, but we might as well, I guess, based on that. Right. So, yeah, this seems to be sort of an argument with the shooter like statement of purpose of the new universe or kind of um expanding on that to like you know what is what is going on why is the the real world i recognize more like a fantasy world now and you know it's yeah that's a valid thing you're once you're in a fictional situation you become sort of you can become aware of it i guess and this isn't uh, too crazy. And then uh, he also points out that he hasn't even left Wisconsin yet, which is a weird power to have. I mean, you could have like, I've been, uh, you know, in these like weeks between these transformations, you'd be like, I, I saw one in California and another one in, but anyway, I'm back in Wisconsin now. And this is continuing uh, whatever this story is without, um, I don't know. Because, yeah, it, we, I think we'll see more and more paranormals popping up. So why he would be only seeing the ones that are in DP7 is a little strange. I don't know. 
they did die here, I guess, right? So maybe it's like just drawing him to the closest examples, but and he's got to like float the whole way there or something too. He doesn't seem particularly fast, but, but yeah, anyway, yeah, it's kind of an interesting character. Um, but yeah, he doesn't like quite name himself, so you could have called him like a phantom stranger of some kind, or. <laughs> You know, maybe <laughs> the monitor because he's always watching people or mm. the watcher. Mm. Just dead dead man because he's dead. A dead man. That is also good. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm writing these down now. <laughs> okay. A lot, of, a lot of good naming opportunities uh, we've got here. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but yeah, so um, he kind of breaks himself out of it a little bit. Um, and <clears throat> I think it's next day, perhaps. Uh, I guess the dates don't matter too much, but he flips over to a Burger King. Uh, oh, keep an eye on these next couple of dates. Yeah. So December, September 26th. Since he checked the hospital, couldn't find my body, right? So he's just kind of trying to figure out what to do. Um, so his body was no longer at the hospital. He says, but that doesn't prove that it's all fantasy. He's kind of like trying to figure out if he's dreaming or, you know, imagining everything or what's going on it says i checked the family cemetery plot but then i felt the call again the call to burger king i <laughs> mean the golden arches i guess but you know i like burger king um and so we finally get jeff walters who i guess is a chubby burger king manager <laughs> okay this is the funniest one for me um because it's the most like what his original form was is maybe not what I was expecting. You know? Yeah, true, true. And he's like the McDowell's guy from uh, Coming to America, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So he's like talking to one of the employees, like oh, I just don't feel right. I feel jittery. He tries to sit down, uh, but he's like oh, I can't can't keep still. I got to go out and get some fresh air, and so, you know the employees like you call this fresh you know because they walk out by the dumpster in the back and the the grease barrels uh bases you know she says go keep an eye on things and he's jeff's thinking to himself that he's just ball am i a ball of fire inside me i'm about to explode if i don't do something he's, and i like this line what's wrong with me have i been snarfing too many french fries again <laughs> like no oh, man like that, that'll make you tired <laughs> sleepy mostly but yeah so so he takes off running, basically. Um, again, kind of self-deprecating. Um, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't quite have like the snappy, fun personality uh, as a chubby guy, I guess. Uh, but he just starts running down the street. Uh, he's like, oh, this feels great. He's like running past people, outrunning a bicyclist on a ten-speed, uh, even outrunning our phantom witness, stranger watcher guy, uh, and. He starts starts flying, so I don't know why that's a surprise to him because he was kind of flying already. Um, but starts thinking, how can I how can I fly? I should I shouldn't I should, but I should be able to move as fast as I can imagine myself flying. I gotta stop thinking of myself as a human being with physical limitations, as a non physical, possibly imaginary being. I can do whatever I think of doing. Uh, so he's finally kind of keeping up with Jeff, who's now like weaving through traffic at full speed uh and i guess he ran for an hour um uh, kind of all sweaty mike's his way back to burger king uh 
where his employee was like, where were you? We we're getting worried. Also, you stink and are sweaty and are gross. <laughs> um, so, so what do you do at that point? Well, so, well before I scrub the grill, I got to fry a few more of these babies. So it's kind of like a kind of a cross between the fat guy trope where all they can do is eat it a lot. And also kind of like, okay, well, this is actually Jeff because he needs to keep up his metabolism burning all those calories running. So 10 hamburgers, <laughs> all that running made me hungry, real hungry. If these 10 burgers aren't enough, I ought to be ashamed of myself. Guess my great new urge to run like a maniac isn't going to help my weight problem. If I keep hitting late night snacks like these, oh well. So that, That'll work out as, as well for him as uh, Stephanie waiting for Chuck to come home, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I like uh, yeah this little mo- moment. Um, it's a uh, like I say, kind of a surprise, but it's it's uh, it feels more uh, character in character, I guess. So yeah, yeah, I, I like it. It's fun. <laughs> um, so our our uh, Nelson Kohler ghost man uh, then is just kind of stuck in the city, flying around just contemplating life again you know, fantasy a dream it's hard to remain convinced that all this is you know so he's still trying to figure out if he's he's imaginary or imagining or what's going on um and you know it's just thinking you know i can't just keep suspending my disbelief what's happening must be real but that just brings me back to where I was before. If I was real, what's the point? Like, why am I here? Why is it compelling me to witness these transformations? What do I have in common with these people? Each of us was changed, but not the same way. And he starts thinking about the white event, the blinding flash of light, you know, but then like, why is there a delayed reaction? Cause they didn't all manifest at the same time. And then he says, Hmm, Maybe that's my purpose in all of this task, to find the reason for these weird phenomena. But why me? Whiny, whiny, whiny. <laughs> Must be some way to get out of this. You know, someone has the power to end my living death. I will find that person and hope it will be the last thing I do. So, oh, okay. And then, did we jump back in time? That's the thing, yeah. It's two days before the last one, so... Number 26, oh, Burger let's King. Let's call that a typo. I don't... Number 24, which is probably supposed to be 28 or something. <laughs> I just noticed old. that this afternoon as I was going through. Yeah, I didn't catch that the first time. Good catch. Uh, so he shows up at where else? The hospital that Dr. Randy O'Brien works. And so... Um, Randy's uh, doing his clinical rounds with Mrs. Murgatroyd, and uh, the witness kind of shows up and starts looking. Uh, so Randy's powers, we, we actually watched him realize that his powers manifested. So this has got to be a little bit earlier than that. Um, and you know he kind of feels a little bit of a zing or a chill. Um, and as Randy kind of walks off to the men's room, trying to figure out what's wrong with him, so he's like self-diagnosing, you know, I've been pulling double shifts, you know, it doesn't feel like the cold or the flu, but he catches a glimpse of an antibody leg, like flashing into the bathroom stall as, as he's looking. He's like, was it a figure in all black? It scurried into, and he slams the stall door open, and uh, nobody's in there, right? thankfully for this uh, rife with innuendo comic it is just an empty bathroom stall 
Um, so he's thinking he's, he's hallucinating all the while. The, there is, in fact, a, a ghost in the room, <laughs> our, our phantom witness, Nelson Kohler. Um, and yeah, so he's still just following around Randy, waiting to see what happens. He, he caught some glimpses of the antibody itself, uh, kind of keeping uh, or like floating through the floor and kind of rejoining with Randy's body. Uh, notably, like it didn't transfer any like jolt of memory to him or if it did. Um, and then we get this other fun patient. Uh, so Randy's like, the lab tests, the labs came back with the tests. Mr. Grosvenor, uh, you'll be glad to know that your blood count is back to normal. And he says, the blood you gave me wasn't full of AIDS, was it? <laughs> no, sir. We have a test to screen for the blood we use for AIDS virus, Mrs. Grosvenor. <laughs> like, you you better. I ain't lived this for 76 years just to, it's like, don't put me next to any black people or anything either. That's just, I imagine that's what this guy was thinking. We may not, in fact, be racist. <laughs> I, it's a fairly safe bet, honestly. Yeah, especially for what comes next. He's like, uh, the guy kind of pops up, and like he's surprised. He's like, standing over you, it was the shadow of death. I seen it. I seen it. And he's like, oh, you're just afraid because it looked black. Uh, <laughs> the guy starts freaking out to the point where they, they call to uh, some morphine stab the guy and knock him out. Um, so, you know, that event over, you know, Randy's kind of confused again. He's like, do you imagine it? Or you know, did I see something? Like, what's going on here? And he says, I can't shake the feeling that it's not my fault. Um, so you can interlude as the stranger is thinking, like, it just occurred to me, what if I'm not a passive, what if I'm not the passive observer I think I am? What if I'm the catalyst triggering, triggering these people's transformations, which is kind of an interesting thought. Uh, says, what if I'm the carrier of some bizarre plague? And so he goes flying off, but then we see Randy's antibody who was loose still like kind of peep through the wall and then like it sees him go with like a little question mark uh the antibody can't talk um so you know we get another good solid round of yeah ghostly woe is me as he's imagining that all of these changes and uh, things going wrong were his fault um and he flies over to the cemetery says this is where I belong. I cannot infect the living here. Somewhere below is the family plot. Somewhere below is my body. And so he just flies down into his grave, basically, and you know goes into the software and the hardware must reunite, right? But you know your hardware is not plugged in, man. Let me point out with it, like, um, is <clears throat> is born and died dates are on this thirty five to eighty six is fifty one. Yep. Before he was saying something about 43 years. Mm. That's what that also caught me up. Like I'd seen the cemetery soon, but I didn't notice him talking about for these 43 years I've been doing so. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he also so, traveled you know, two days into the past. So he has more powers than he realizes. I guess so. <laughs> Art, well, the artist would have to have drawn the gravestone, and the writer maybe did the date boxes and i mean the all i believe all lettering is the letterer so it's even um, like and on the art yeah i mean they'll do like the street signs and things like that uh, okay i didn't know that yeah i'm pretty sure but um you know. hmm. anyway 
Anyway, well, good thing they didn't cremate the guy because he flies <laughs> down into his casket. Uh, I'm definitely in trouble in that case, yeah. <laughs> uh, sees his body and basically like lies down in himself, you know, kind of that, that classic ghostly fall into the body thing. Uh, but it doesn't do anything. It says, you know, I'm inside me, but it might as well be a chunk of wood for all I can tell. Uh says, my consciousness refuses to shut down. My software refuses to be erased. Backslash delete. C colon backslash run program. I don't know. Do something. <laughs> uh, yeah, no luck. Uh, so he kind of pulls and sits up, you know, through the casket, you know, Undertaker style, if you're into the wrestling. Um, and the antibodies down there with him, uh, kind of waving at him. Hello. It's got a little, like, exclamation point because again it can't kind of talk and so they meet and it says you know, you're that thing that was inside that doctor you can see me all right so hey maybe he's got a buddy now the witness the antibody they can be fast friends uh it's like you must have followed me here but why um but they don't in fact become fast friends because uh our witness is a little deranged um so He's frustrated that the antibody can't actually talk to him. He then kind of just hopes that it's able to kill him. So again, he's just kind of hoping to shut down and be done with this whole mess. Uh, So so I guess it would be traumatic, but he just seems to come off kind of awful. Um, He basically grabs the antibody. I beg you, you must help me destroy myself. Nothing physical can harm me, but you're not physical. You may be able to do it. And... Uh, antibody gives him the hand wave like oh no way bro like no man that's not what i do <laughs> i'm an antibody for a doctor that heal- heals people <laughs> no can do right um so so the, the witness loses it just dives at him kind of like tackles the antibody i'll make you destroy me if i have to like i'll kill you into killing me so they have a little chase. Everybody slips his grasp, flies away. You know, it just makes witness matter and matter uh, until he kind of grabs its shoulder from behind, spins around and like punches his fist right through the antibody saying, die, die. You know, so yeah, nice going, buddy. Uh, we know now in this point in the reading chronology that if the antibody dies, like more can show up. Um but witness does not know that. He says, oh, good Lord. So after murdering it, he says, in my rage, I've killed the one being in the world who is aware of my existence. If the doctor's being, if if the being was the doctor's software, what will happen to him? Will he die without it? Uh, we know he won't, but witness does not at this point. Um, so to, to find out, he, he goes, flies back to the hospital, uh, sees Randy sleeping kind of like plays around, like puts his hand through his head, you know, wondering if he can enter his mind or if he's alive or in a trance. Um, But instead he climbs inside. So uh, witness uploads his software into Randy's hardware in a non-innuendo sort of way, uh, pops in there and he can take over his body apparently. So this is a a power none of us knew he had. Um, So Nelson Kohler Microsoft salesman has now taken over Randy's body and he's not a good person, right? <laughs> this guy's kind of a jerk. It's like, he's like, he's feeling it. He's, he's, I'm alive with the air, my skin, the hard floor under my feet, 
So he's just like living it up in stolen body, um, giving his hardware speech when the antibody comes crawling in. So it's kind of leaking bubbles. It's looking really wrecked and sad. Um, and, you know, for the 45th time, this kind of shocks Nelson, our witness, uh, kind of back into maybe being slightly ethical. Uh, but he's really not quite ready to give it up. So antibody like rips the phantom out of Randy, um, you know, much to his chagrin, we get a, please, this body is my only hope. I need it. I deserve it more than you do. Like, yeah, sure, man. <laughs> Stop looking at me that way. Another theory of my existence shot to pieces. <laughs> so he gives up. Uh, let's the antibody back into Randy. Randy face plants onto the floor uh, and then finally kind of wakes up out of it. Says, Sheesh, am I ever losing it? Such a weird dream. Right? So again, he doesn't know of the antibody's existence, but uh, we know that once it comes back, you know, it usually imparts whatever memories it's seen, you know, onto the person, or it can even kind of touch someone else and, and share that information. Um, so Randy doesn't know what's going on. The phantom bails finally and says, I'm so ashamed. I wanted life so badly. I was willing to steal it from a man who was a healer of lives. This guy really loves his exposition. Uh, so I guess I don't really deserve to live or die for that matter. I had it up with trying to com come up with hypotheses to explain the nature of my existence. What man ever knows the reason for his own life except whatever reason he himself assigns it? Things happen. There is cause, there is effect, but no one knows the ultimate cause of things. Or, well, we do, this is the white event, I guess. Um, but what caused the white event? Uh, so why, why they are the way they are? Uh, we are all the software, but who or what programs us? <laughs> you, you could go to church while you're intangible, dude. You can... <laughs> <laughs> Can't read, I guess, though, unless somebody else is uh, paging through. He's like, I don't care. So he does not go to church. He says, I don't care anymore. I refuse to speculate. My fate is to never again be a participant in the lit world of the living. So be it. I will be content. I will content myself to be a mere witness. 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 <laughs> not the end. Not the beginning. Which I think it was the beginning. <sighs> I feel yeah, like this guy's like like eighties Shakespeare or something. <laughs> it just really likes going off. I I mean I do believe witness shows up in later work. So okay, yeah, there was uh, a per, a point to witness that is not apparent after having read this in and of <laughs> itself. But okay, he really didn't do uh, anything or accomplish anything. No, that's part of what makes this kind of frustrating. There's we only got little tiny anything. snippets of the characters, so it was nice to see some faces before they uh, became paranormal. In a couple of cases, yeah, they, they, Lenore, we never we've never seen her face. Um, the the Jeff, as I say, is a um, it's it's amusing because it hadn't occurred to me, but it does it's a reasonable thing for like, Oh, he was actually kind of chubby and like kind of maybe the funny guy or something. And then he becomes like slim and athletic because of this 
paranormality experience and all that. Yeah. Okay. Mm, Scuzz, much the same. Steffi, we don't see her fighting with Chuck, which is kind of what I would have expected to see more of. So just yeah. her and her kid is kind of whatever. It's like Chuck, you know, weird being weirded out and, you know, I don't know, freaking out on her or whatever the hell he did. I mean, that would have made for a little more you know, drama. Yeah, it would have um, given us a little more action. Oh, I hate Chuck. So, I mean, I don't really want to see more of him. Because he's getting wrecked by Landers like, some more or something. That's real true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, several of them are just kind of, yeah, okay. Um, it's, it's, well. Yeah, that is kind of the problem of the issue. Like, I think it's fine. And, you know, naked spanking aside, uh, uh, it, it goes over okay. But uh, yeah, it does feel a little pointless. You know, the witness is just so, a guy who can't touch or do anything. I guess he finally figures out in the end he can take over bodies if he wants. So there's a little more uh, story potential there than just a guy watching things. But uh yeah, like yeah. nothing really of consequence happens. So, so my theory is like that the the um, the the new universe annuals had sort of a goal of going back and doing more origin stuff because the books themselves mostly started with the white event or people developing their paranormality or whatever, and so there was kind of a thing of. Well, you know, we never saw this happen. You know, we heard about this. We never saw this. And so for DP7 and Cyforce, and even to a degree, Mark Hazard, we had like a lot of, here's backstory that you maybe got a hint of. Um, and maybe it's not the most exciting thing you ever saw, but here it is, for the better or for worse. So, yeah, Mark Hazard, like that was the first time we got backstory on like some major characters too so yeah it's interesting i wonder like you know were they originally trying to allow these annuals to be like a jumping on point to a degree of kind of like you know just so something like that that's kind of reader yeah, yeah. yeah something where yeah that you it's more like it's more self-contained but it's a it's a you know big chunk of story and you if you just got it randomly you might be Hopefully to draw you into the ongoing series, yeah. Um, so I, like I say, because of like the weird time thing in the new universe and always wanting to be, you know, in real time, that like going backward wasn't an option in the main books or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to say in general, I don't really like annuals. Like they're either too long or like anthology stories or like you know written by a couple different people kind of things that never really mean anything um so I was, I was dreading these a little bit but overall the annuals were kind of fun and you know like they weren't too bad i, got an, I mean annuals are so hit and miss like the i mean even looking at the list of uh the x-men annuals from the 80s you have things where it's like completely forgettable one year and then the next year it's that art adams um in val in asgard one the yeah remember a crossover with the new mutants and it's just you know stunning work at like 
Art Adams at his peak, maybe. And you're just like, every page is like amazing. And it's, you know, impacts the main story. And then like, um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, you never quite knew what you'd be getting. Um, this was not like um, that, um, <laughs> but uh, it's certainly some of the, the art was fine. Uh, yeah, I guess all of them are, was, is at least fine. This, this is uh, one sort of suffers because you being so consistent, Paul Ryan, um paul ryan feels like kind of a letdown but i mean this is fine yeah i don't necessarily so. miss it when i'm reading it as far as it goes like the artists and... um i thought the software metaphor even though you referred to it several times wasn't really developed in a productive way you know what i mean yeah i mean it's kind of obvious and also like you know just doesn't add anything <laughs> He doesn't sort of come to a realization at some point of like, oh, if I do something, I don't know. Think of myself as an operating system, not just an application. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's kind of a virus, honestly. <laughs> Starts taking people over. It's not bad. Um, over other systems. So, I mean, the funny thing for me is why, like, I would say the the annuals we saw, it was like the series you ex I expected the least from were the best, and the ones I expect the most from were the the sort of least satisfying. Mm. So Merck and uh, Cyforce, I, I was really favorably impressed with. DP7 and Starbrand, which I ordinarily really enjoyed the, the, the series, was like, eh, okay. They just sort of were there. So, yeah. And I guess, I mean, there, there's no more impact on the story than Merck annual, right? I mean, you got a bunch of flashback, but also Mark Hazard dying and the series completely ending. True. And Cyforce moves forward with the new member. So, right. yeah, they, those definitely had some forward momentum. And whereas the DP7, I mean, we hadn't if the witness had appeared at any point before this and we were curious about him, that might've helped, but. Yeah. And I guess you're kind of limited with the idea of trying to look at the early origins of all seven characters, because even with an annual, then that's seven characters and you can't really do much of a story. Like they kind of saved it all for the end where he was battling the antibody and you finally get a little bit of action that wasn't spanking action. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, and that was kind of interesting, like that the ghost and the antibody could see each other, like like that could show up in the future, kind of thing. Like that could be the like the way that um, this guy could really, in fact, communicate with the world. Like if he talks to the antibody, which then goes back to Randy, and then he knows and could like basically can hear what the witness was saying at that point, right? Like that could be his besides taking people over like that could be kind of his window back into the world a little bit, but hopefully they'll do that'll yeah, be a Avenue to, to make this more, or he never shows up again. I don't know. That's fine. 
we wouldn't miss it. But I think we talked ages ago about like um, there wasn't anyone sort of investigating the white event or paranormals in the sort of general way of like, why did this happen or what, you know, what happened? Even? Yeah. So I guess he kind of feels the, that he's in that position, but unfortunately he's not really getting very far with it. Yeah, if anyone was going to be doing it, it would have been the clinic head Voigt in DP7 itself, but uh, we're pretty sure he died, so. He's, I mean, so he said that there was, like, a purpose to it, that he had, like, sort of, his mind had expanded or something, and he thought they were, the paranormals were the future of mankind or something. Um so yeah, the witness doesn't really come to any sort of conclusions. He barely t- connects the white event to these other things that happened. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're reading this back then, I think at this point you're getting kind of. Well, I was hoping you'd tell me a little bit more by this point. You know what I mean? What is the white event? I don't know. Still mm. don't know. If we had letters pages, people might be starting to ask these questions. <laughs> That's true. Uh, should, should we grade this thing? Um, we don't know. Um, you go first. For me, bar? like a B minus. I mean, it's it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just on the low end of 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 okay I mean, for whatever reason. It doesn't. Yeah, B minus seems fine. Yeah, it's it's fine <laughs> yeah that's about as much as i can push it forward that push it though it's like um yeah if if you wanted something to pick up and and sell people on dp7 this really wouldn't be it no uh, agreed <laughs> let me see any last tidbits about annuals um let me think so yeah, we sort of chewed over. Was there anything you thought worked or didn't work in the in the, them as a whole? Oh, well, beloved character dies. <laughs> right? They 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 pulled the moment off surprisingly. I, I thought it was going to be terrible. I was really dreading reading Mark Hazard Daniel. Uh, I, yeah, I just thought it was going to be a. Uh, a big pile of steaming garbage to be perfectly honest, but it ended up being kind of okay. Like a little frustrating still because, uh, you know, we got introduced to characters we're never going to see again. And we killed a beloved character, uh, in kind of a sad way, uh, you know, being shot and murdered by the lame, uh, new husband kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, that that was, it was very surprising, uh, that that one ended up being kind of a good book. Yeah, the uh, it was the formation of Merc Force, and Merc all of Force. them were like, "In Mark's name, we'll band together, and it'll be a renegade series of mercenaries, but for justice this time." Yeah, yeah. and uh, lest we forget, uh, the most I've ever laughed during a podcast, uh, <laughs> Treetop speaking in <laughs> third person, <laughs> which shall never be attempted again because it's just too dangerous. It's a, uh, it's a, um, well, well, let's keep our eyes open for new opportunities to use use third person narration. (laughs) Uh, You know, honestly, the DP7, um, we're we're just looking at, 
um, somehow it became more confusing. Like um, Nelson's got a lot of thought balloons and then the characters who are transforming also have a lot of thought balloons. So it just fills the page, you know? Yeah. I mean, usually we have di good dialogue from Gruenwald, but here it was just a lot of people monologuing sometimes simultaneously. Yeah. Maybe that's also part of our, my... I guess that happens when the main character in the story can't talk to people. And there's a lesson there for all us uh, aspiring writers, I guess. <laughs> Should have had well, Treetop narrate this issue. <laughs> <laughs> Treetop sees a ghost guy. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap it up then. Yeah. Treetop says that's it for this week's episode <laughs> and Treetop's coverage of the New Universe annuals. <laughs> Next episodes are going to be recap episodes where we walk Yay. you through season two of the new universe, uh, issues seven through 12, plus the annuals. Uh, if we really need to recap the annuals, uh, you won't want to miss that. And after we'll finally get back to the new you normal kickoff season three with the first regular book in a while. Psy Force number 13. A little weird to be starting off a month with Psy Force, not Spitfire. But that's where we're at. Uh, it's going to feel like yeah cyforce 13 we'll give you even give you the uh preview for it stasi tries to help an old family friend but finds it might cost her freedom can cyforce take on an entire russian consulate or will they be helpless against diplomatic immunity written by fabian nesieza and penciled by javier salteras or it's the return of cyforce's very first foe serge vladimir Adamoff, the KGB agent. All right. And in the me yeah. meantime, you can catch us at uh, kickersinc.com or email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. This has been the voice of the new universe, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw away the duck. <laughs> <laughs>